Amen. We praise God for changed lives. What you just witnessed there, what, what that picture indicates is Addison Beerley, a teenage girl, is baptizing her friend Braxton Adcock, a, another teenage girl. What, what an amazing testimony of life being blessed uh, through the body of Christ and what we're, what we're sharing life together. Another thing that happened last week, I just want to celebrate this, is Abby Dottie was baptized by her own, very own Ben Harris, our youth pastor. And then Tiffany Graber, our children's minister, baptized Sadie Bauer after service last Sunday. Let's praise God for those things happening. Huh? <laughs> then after service last week, after those blessings, a young man came to me and said, I, I've been thinking about giving my life to Christ. I want to learn more about the church, and I'm meeting with him this week. And then on Monday, probably the most unique thing of all of last weekend and the end of uh, everything what God was doing, a young man called the church office and got Belinda on the phone, her secretary. He was 11 years old. His name is Braden. He lives about an hour away. He had recently went to church camp from a relatively unchurched family, and uh, his grandmother was um, struggling with her health. She had recently had a stroke, and he called the office, and his first question to Belinda was this, can anyone get baptized anytime at your church? And Belinda's like, yes, uh, would you like to talk to one of our ministers? And, and he said, I would. So she transferred uh, Braden to me, and he, he told me what was going on with his grandmother and how he is concerned for his grandmother's life. She'd had a stroke, and, and she, her health is failing, and he wants her to spend eternity in heaven. And so he was wanting her to know about Jesus and be baptized. I said, man, I'd love to talk to your grandma. Could I talk to her? And he said, she's right here. So he handed the phone uh, to his grandmother, and uh, Kimberly and I began to talk. And we developed a, a, a day where we could meet this past week. And, and so Braden was able to facilitate his grandmother and I talking and me being able to share the gospel with his grandmother. The interesting thing, when I showed up at her house here in Greenville, I was curious. Uh, I asked her, why did Braden call our church? And, and she told me that we were the closest church uh, to where she lived. And so um, it was just kind of an interesting thing. We hadn't met anyone in the family, so I knocked on the door. Braden wasn't there. He lives about an hour away at this point, so he's at his own house. Her two other grandsons answered the door. And you got to respect these guys. They were very protective of the grandma. So when I knocked on the door, they said, who are you? And I said, I'm Tyson. And they said, what are you doing here? I said, I'd like to talk to your grandmother. And uh, they're like, what for? And I said, here's the good thing. I get to talk to your grandma about Jesus. She's wanting me to tell her about Jesus and maybe be baptized. And they're like, oh, we heard about you. Uh, you're maybe going to baptize her grandma. And then we just started talking about other things. I'm in the front room of the house. They're playing some video games. They're talking about that. And I said, hey, guys, uh, where's your grandma at? You know, there for a little while. And one of the boys all of a sudden yells out, hey, grandma, your Baptist is here. <laughs> and... And all of a sudden, I'm talking to Grandma, and she's an amazing woman. Her name is Kimberly. She lives right here in Greenville. Uh, did not grow up, really, with much of a, a church background or hearing much about Jesus. But that afternoon, after talking to Kimberly and her daughter and some of her other grandchildren, she was touched, and she realized that she needs Jesus. And we talked about uh, uh, trusting in Him for the things that we don't even understand. And uh, we talked about repentance, and we talked about the idea that she needed to confess Jesus with her mouth. And so right there, uh, that afternoon on Thursday, she confessed Jesus as her Lord and Savior, and she's planning to be baptized when Braden and his family can also be with her next Sunday. So let's praise God for that. What a, what a great thing. I am so thankful for people like Braden, 
who loved his grandma enough to tell him about Jesus, and, and Addison Beerley, who told her friend about Jesus, and Ben, who works with our youth, and Tiffany, who works with our children, and you who care about your family and friends enough to tell them about Jesus. What we see here is God growing his church for his glory, for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And today we're going to keep going uh, in this series of grow that we started in January. We're going to get back into it today because we believe God has called us to grow out, to grow deep, and to grow young. Uh, to, re to remember the specifics of this, know this, we're committed to grow out witnessing with the gospel. Uh, this is this idea of evangelism that we would go out and tell people about Jesus, that he came to this earth as God's son to die for us so that our sins might be uh, washed away so we could spend eternity with him in heaven. We, we've got to grow out with that good news. We're going to grow deep being devoted to the word. And that's where we're at this month, that we have the blessing of knowing God's word and how to grow deep in that. We're going to figure out uh, how our hearts can be like the soil that Boyd talked about that, that can soak up the word of God to grow, to get our roots down deep in it. And we're going to continue to grow young walking with one. Uh, that growing young walking with one may be the hardest to understand because Braden is an example of growing young with his grandmother, Kimberly, even though he is younger than his grandmother. The concept of walking with one is this, that I'm going to walk with one person who is younger in the faith than I and help them to grow up to be like Christ as we grow in Christ together. So I wonder who that is for you. For Braden right now, it's his grandma. He is taking his grandmother who is younger in the faith than he is and walking together. Who are you walking with? It may be a child, it may be a friend, it may be a grandmother, it may be a grandchild. But we're going to grow out deep and young as we focus on what Christ is calling us to do. The commitment to grow is starting to produce some fruit. I, I see a, a little glimpse of what we see in the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today. As we look at how the early disciples, the early believers, how they grew, um, grew deep and how their hearts were ready to receive the word. Uh, we, we see a, a glimpse of that, but in Acts chapter 2, uh, the Holy Spirit has come on the church, and, and right on the first day the gospel was preached, 3,000 people were immersed and gave their life to Christ. 3,000 on the very first day, pretty good first day of church. On the second day of church, we see 5,000 more men be saved, and only the men were counted, uh, so most scholars believe there were women and children also. So by day two of church, as they're producing and, and sharing the gospel, Roughly 15,000 believers are now in the church family, and it's growing. Most scholars believe that within six months, there are over 100,000 new believers in and around Jerusalem. The early church was tremendously growing in the book of Acts, and, and we're going to see today four different things that made their heart ripe to be grown deep in the Word. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to unpack these four things that we can apply to our lives Here's what it says. Luke is writing this. He says, in, in the first book, o, o Theopolis, I dealt with all that Jesus had done to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles in whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So here's what Luke is saying. I wrote all that Jesus did about his life on earth and then I'm also going to share what happens after he went up into heaven. And while, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait from the promise of the Father, which he, you heard from me. 
For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or reasons the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And when they were gazing into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them with white robes. These were angels and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, whom was taken up into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him going to heaven. When they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which was near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Uh, here's what a Sabbath day's journey was probably uh, a little over a half mile. That's how far the Jews could walk on the day of the Sabbath. So he's like, okay, go ahead to do this. This will be permitted. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room when they were in Jerusalem where they were staying. Peter, John, and James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, all of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So here's the amazing thing what's going on. Jesus ha had just shared with them uh, what, what they're to do. They hear this great challenge, and now they have the opportunity to, to follow and grow deep or, or to disobey. And here's the first thing we understand if you're going to have a heart that's going to grow deep in the word. Believers grow deep from a faith that leads to obedience of God's word. And I'm going to put it even simpler than that. They trusted God and did what he said. If you are interested in growing deep and being blessed spiritually, here's the first thing you've got to, you've got to do. You've got to uh, ask your heart, commit for your heart to, to obey. It, it may sound too obvious. It, it, it may think, uh, be like there's got to be something more that we do in 2022 to really grow deep. But the beginning of what we see for any believer is this choice you make. Am I going to obey God or am I going to do what I want? In fact, if you're not interested in obeying God, your chance of growing deep are very, very slim, if, all, if impossible. Jesus commanded them, here we see, to, to not leave Jerusalem, but wait. And then he says, you're going to start the, truth, uh, the church in Jerusalem. And so what's, what's interesting here is Jesus has told them to stay in Jerusalem and wait. And this would have been... This would have been very strange because Jerusalem was the place where Jesus had just been crucified. Jerusalem is the place where uh, the whole town had declared, we do not want anything really to do with Christianity. And yet Jesus says, hey, I want you to be in Jerusalem. I want you to start the church in Jerusalem. This would have made no sense. But you know what the early church did? They did what he said. They did what he asked. They, they, they obeyed Jesus. The bottom line is they trusted what God said. And I believe if you personally, if your family, if this church wants to grow deep to the next level, we've got to say, I am willing to do what God says. Even when it doesn't make sense. And some of you are thinking right now, though, I don't really know what God says. And that's why we've got to be in his word. Some of you are thinking, well, they were with Jesus. They stayed with him 40 days before he ascended to heaven. Of course they're going to obey. Guys, I believe we know more of what Jesus said than these early Christians ever would have dreamed to know because we've got it in the word. But are we listening? 
I would say there are obstacles right now today. Maybe it's because we're fatigued. Maybe it's because of the microphone. But there are things that keep us from hearing what God says in the Word. And one of the things we've got to do is commit to listen. We want to give you a tool today. Many of you got these when you came in. This is hopefully a tool to help you listen to what God's saying. Inside your journal, we would like you just to answer these questions as you read Scripture from here on moving out until you fill this journal up. In, in, in the card, in the journal, pick one of these cards up. And here's the, some of the things it says as we listen to God's word. Are we going to listen? What does this passage say to me about God? And then you would write down, hey, this is a passage I read maybe from Colossians chapter 3. And it told me that God is powerful. He told me that he's, he's loving. What does it call me to do or follow or obey? It's telling me to be forgive. It's telling me uh, to be kind. The third thing, uh, who, who can I share this truth with and why? Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a neighbor. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend to encourage them or to, to challenge them. Ask yourself this, how can I pray this passage over my life? As you read a passage, how can I apply this to my prayer life? It, it may be just literally uh, reading these words and putting it into a prayer form. And then finally today, we're going to fill more of these out as we go through this series but am I open to the Holy Spirit growing me in this? Am I willing to obey? Is the Holy Spirit going to guide me? Am I willing to do that? These are things we want to put in your hands. So take one of these prayer journals, begin to read scriptures with us daily, maybe the one we're reading as a, as a church family, and answer these questions in here. It could be very simple, but see how God doesn't start, if he doesn't start meeting your needs and growing you deep. And listen, another thing, if you've got children or grandchildren stop by the parent hub today that is right across from the child's check-in area there are tools in the parent hub you can see it in the lower left hand corner there it's a calendar to help your child be on track to be in the word it has memorization prompts it has scripture reading prompts and it has a prayer prompt much like this journal invite them to to have that calendar grab a journal and you guys dive deep together for we must be in a position to grow. You don't have to have an elite family heritage. You don't have to be the most well-trained, but you've got to say, Lord, I'm willing to obey your word. It's the idea of lordship. And I pray that you understand that. I pray that it hits your heart. I've been asking myself this week, what is God calling me to obey? It's a scary question to ask. Honestly, uh, for the first few days of the week, I was like, God, I don't feel like you're calling me to obey anything new and specific. There's nothing really glaring right now. I'm not saying I'm perfect at all, but God wants to speak in my heart. Guess what? As I've been thinking about this week, I'm going to say, God, what do you want me to obey? He woke me up this morning at 4.30 in the morning after going to bed after midnight. Uh, by the way, go Cardinals, right? Anybody at the Cardinals game? Yeah. One Cardinal fan. Thanks, Todd. But it was a long night, and I'm ready to get a pretty good night's sleep. God woke me up this morning, and he revealed to me the thing that I have not been obeying. And I didn't go back to sleep. Uh, I'm not asking you, uh, I'm not wanting necessarily, this is not a punishment, that you get woke up some morning this week and be like, this is what it is. I'd like God to reveal it to you right now. But my heart is that God would reveal to you what you're to obey that you've been avoiding not so that you'll feel punished or disciplined for the sake of, of uh, uh, pain, but that you would be revealed to God what is in your heart that you've been avoiding for a blessing to become more like Jesus. Look what John says about this in John 3. 
Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. It's a matter of lordship. If we trust that Jesus is the Son of God, like it says in John 3, 16, that God so loved us that he gave his Son, and we believe that, it leads us to obey him, period. You can't say, I believe Jesus, but I don't want to follow his word. In fact, John says here, if you don't believe, uh, you uh, will not see life if you don't obey. So what is God calling you to obey in him today? I don't even have to share what that is. It's God's going to reveal it to your heart. Secondly, believers grow deep who are committed to unity for the sake of the kingdom. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, all these were one accord. All these disciples and the women and Jesus' brothers were one accord. The, the New American Standard says they had one mind. The New Living Translation says they met together and were constantly united. The original Greek had this concept. They were passionate about one purpose. That They were fired up about what was going on in their life. And what was that? It comes from Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Look at what Jesus had given the purpose says, he, or Jesus, presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. For 40 days after Jesus died and before he went into heaven, he told them the same thing. I'm speaking to you about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Well, what is that? What, what is the kingdom of God about? It's this one subject, this, this last words of Jesus. It, it had to be about how to run a proper board meeting within a church culture, don't you think? Maybe it was about the, the correct co color of the carpet or how many hymns it, it took to make up the perfect uh, worship service for traditional hour. Or, or what, was, what was this thing that he was talking about, the kingdom of God? Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So what is that? What are we to be seeking uh, uh, for the kingdom of God? I think the book of Revelation gives us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is about in Revelation 5. Look at this with me. This is a picture of what heaven is and what the kingdom of, of God involves. He says to Jesus, this is a picture of Jesus. You purchase people for God with your blood from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You made them into a kingdom. So in heaven, John is acknowledging, Jesus, you purchased people from all walks of life, every tribe, every color, every language. You purchased people by your blood and made them into your kingdom. So what the people were doing here is they're establishing and focusing on the kingdom of God. And not just some local church, uh, not definitely some building or not some program. They are focused and everything else will fade away for the sake of the kingdom, for bringing people to salvation through Jesus. So let me ask you, what can lead you from being united with other brothers and sisters that is just a preference that has nothing to do with the kingdom? They were focused on bringing people to salvation in Jesus, and sometimes we get a perspective of this is important to me. It may be carpet color. It may be uh, the style of music. It, it may be a, a political uh, perspective. It, it may be something that we love of this world. And what the early church did so well is they let all that fade away to focus on the main thing, and it's leading people to salvation through Jesus. And everything else faded away. What is keeping you from unity with other Christians? And let it fade away. 
Thirdly, believers grow deep who are devoted to seek God's help in prayer. One of the things you probably, if you grew up in church, you you knew the early church was devoted to four things in Acts chapter 2. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is the Bible, uh, to the breaking of bread, which is what we understand of communion, uh, to fellowship, being together, and to prayer. We're like, okay, prayer. But you know what? Of those four things, the only one that is also obviously uh, involved in Acts chapter 1 is a devotion to prayer. And I believe uh, prayer is like nothing else that would prepare our hearts, like Boyd was talking about, for God's word to grow deep into our lives. Prayer is what humbles us because we go before the God for help. In the, in the New International Version, it says they were constantly in prayer. In the ESV Version, it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Why? Why is prayer so important? They realize that Jesus had given the plan, and it was overwhelming to them. Remember the plan? Jesus had spoke to them for 40 days about the kingdom of God. And then right before he ascends up into heaven, he says, You uh, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The plan was for the people Jesus was talking to to do the work. And they were like, this is overwhelming. In fact, look at the text. Look back to the text. Jesus disappears into heaven. The Bible says they they were standing there and they were overwhelmed as they looked up. They were just amazed. And look what it says in in verse 11. Except verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. So get this. Jesus just speaks to them and he just lifts up into the sky. And they're standing there in amazement. I don't know how, they're, how long they're standing there, but after a short amount of time, Jesus says, okay, you two angels, go get them on the move. And look what the angels say to them again. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There's going to be a day where Jesus just comes down from the sky and he is seen by everyone. And at that moment, these guys go from just amazed with their jaws dropped looking up into heaven, and they, they go into Jerusalem, they obey him. It, it was a turning point, and they run to Jerusalem. It, it was only a, a little over a half mile away, and they go to the upper room, and, and they lock the door, and, and they said, Jesus has told them to wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. What, what do they do next to prepare? Did they get the whiteboard out and start doing like a, a SWAT strategy plan for the next five years? No. Did they say, okay, who's going to be president? Because we know uh, an organization like this has to have a president. That's not what they did. You know what they did? They locked the door and they prayed. And then they prayed more. And that uh, molded their heart. It it let them to be ready to receive and allow God's plan for them to be used by him to, to work. I wonder when the last time you were desperate enough to lock the door in your room or to get on your hands and knees and pray. And then when, when you didn't have anything you could still knew to do, you prayed more. It was about 10 days ago that that hit me like a ton of bricks when little Ty was struggling for life and I was with the Kelly uh, family and Cummings family. We didn't know what to do, but you know what we did? We prayed and we prayed more and we prayed more. And while God did not answer our prayers exactly what we wanted, even when our prayers on this earth seemed to fail us, we prayed more because that's all we could do. We were desperate. And God met that family's needs in the midst of the mess. When's the last time you prayed with some desperation? The early church understood if God did not show up, they were going to fail. So they prayed for his help. Guys, I would suggest to you, if God does not show up, we will fail. That's the truth. 
If, if you don't pray, if God doesn't show up, your marriage will fail. Your children will go haywire in this world. Satan is very much a tra- uh, uh, trying to destroy anything and everything of value. So if we don't get on our hands and knees and pray for great desperation before God for help, we will be overwhelmed. One of the great problems in our world today is we as believers, especially in the United States, we have become very comfortable with just carrying on on our own ways. We, we have become churches that meet week after week, and we are more concerned uh, that the band sounded good and the preacher was funny than ever considering going to God and seeking his power in prayer. And you know how far we're going to get with that type of mindset? Nowhere. It's time that God's people pray. Listen to Second Chronicles. God says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Here's what's amazing. God moves in a powerful way, often in response to his people praying. If we devote ourselves to prayer, God responds. He, he does it time and time again in Scripture. If you want to grow the kingdom, we need to be praying and working hard. I, I love what St. Augustine said a long time ago. He said this, pray as though everything depends on God and work as though everything depended on you. Have you been praying that everything depends on God? Because it does. And then get busy working as if everything depends on you because he wants to use you. In fact, what I've noticed is at this point in my life and my ministry, when something amazing is happening, it seems like a miracle is happening or God is doing a mighty work. If you dig very deep at all, you know what you're going to find? Not just people working, not just people uh, trying to uh, to honor God, but what you're going to find, even before someone who is effective and well-trained, you will find people praying. If you see something amazing happening for God, you look a little bit of what's going on and there's someone dedicated to prayer right in the midst. Devoted and desperate for God's help. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in my Uncle Jim. This is a picture of Jim McPherson right in the middle in the orange. We need to pray for him still. He's a Cubs fan, okay? Um, But recently, in all honesty, he was diagnosed with cancer. There was a a major tumor in his abdomen. And we found out about this time last year. By the time we got to Thanksgiving, it was huge, and it was creating much pain. He couldn't rest. He couldn't eat. He was becoming overwhelmed physically. Uh, We had Thanksgiving uh, at at, um, my brother's house, and there was probably 45 of us there. It was one of those great Thanksgiving times where most of the family had been able to make it in. We played games. We ate a lot of food. But there was something hanging over the whole crowd, the whole family that, that weekend. Jim's struggle with cancer. And while he put on a, a very good face and he had good conversation, we all noticed he wasn't eating because he couldn't physically eat. And, and we noticed that he was uh, grimacing with pain occasionally. And then before long, before we knew it, before even the meal was done, he went home and his wife had said that his pain was just so great, he just needed to go home and lay down. Within a few minutes, my Aunt Jamie came to me and said, Tyson, we need to go pray for Jim. And while there were already, still, already people praying for him and we had the mindset of prayer, I was like, absolutely. So we rounded up anybody that wanted to go from our family gathering, and we went to Jim's house just a few miles away, and we had him set in the middle of the room in his recliner, and we tried to have some small talk. We tried to make light of things and, and have just a, a normal family gathering, but there was nothing normal about this. We were there to pray for Jim. 
And he sat in this chair, and we gathered around him, and we laid our hands on him, and we prayed, and then we cried, and we prayed, and we prayed. And I don't even know how long the time was, but the time was so purposeful in prayer, it was amazing. I've only experienced a thing like this a few times in my life where everyone was there completely devoted to prayer for our love for him and our need and desperation for God. And I want to declare to you, while he did go through treatment only to slow down the cancer, the doctors recently uh, did a full examination, and they cannot find the tumor. And I praise God for that. (laughs) Will there be a day my Uncle Jim passes away? As sure as you and I will pass away. The Bible says that our lives are like a vapor, here one day and gone the next But I do not believe that tumor uh, that was affecting his life and about to take his life in some uh, very painful way, I do not believe that's the way that God is going to call him home. He acted in a tremendous way, not because prayer is powerful, but because our God is powerful. And when we cry out for him for help, he he does something in our lives and, and, and we grow in him and his power grows in us. So who or what you need to be praying for, for God's glory. Write it down in a journal. Maybe pray for that every day. And document how God works in that way. Does that mean he works in every illness and every cancer the same way? Absolutely not. But I'm so thankful my Uncle Jim is giving God glory for what he's doing in his life. Who are you praying for right now? And, and God is allowing that to help you grow deep. There's one more thing that's going to happen fast. Believers grow deep through the power of the Holy Spirit. This may be something you've not heard. I know Kimberly hadn't heard about this at all. But when you're baptized, here's a promise. Your sins are forgiven and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. And while we could debate and while we may not theologically know all the details of how the Holy Spirit came on the church in Acts chapter 2, we can't agree on this. When the Holy Spirit comes on his people, they grow and the church grows. Amen? And we need to be open to the Holy Spirit working in our lives and growing us. And you're like, well, that was a different time. No, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit that came on the church in Acts, is the same Spirit that lives in you today. And He is ready to grow us. Look what it says in Romans 8. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Ben. Rita. Joe. Whatever your name is, that spirit lives in you if you're a believer of Christ. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Are you open to the Holy Spirit growing you? If you're ready to obey, if you're ready to to be about God's mission... If you're willing to pray, here's a big uh, next thing that some of us have to get past, that it's not about us doing amazing things. It's the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And we'll do more than we could ever imagine through his power. Today, I'm going to leave you with this. If you really want to grow deep, we need to have our hearts be ready. And God, at the right time, will move in us through the Holy Spirit and we'll do things even more amazing than Jesus did. Jesus said that himself. There are things going to come to the church, uh, to, the, to the, the, my followers, that are greater than even I did whenever I was on earth. What an amazing testimony from Jesus himself. If you want to grow deep, let's do it together. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for today. Help us to obey. Help us to be united. Father, I pray that we would be people of prayer, uh, desperate for you. And let us be willing to have the Holy Spirit guide and direct us and empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're here today.
and, and you've heard the gospel. Maybe you're more like Kimberly than I think, uh, and, and you're ready to receive Jesus. I would welcome you. And here's the promise. Your sins will be forgiven as you trust Jesus and made new, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Let's sing.